start with three questions again, and you'll pick again. We'll do it that way again. Um, last week, right after the shir, someone came over to me and asked me the following question. And then on Friday morning, Rav David Willard came over to me in, in, in yeshiva and asked me the same exact question. So I assume it originates from the same source, because it would be a remarkable coincidence if it originates from, from two different places. The question was as follows. Rav Willard wasn't really asking me the question. He was telling me to do the research. He said, uh, he doesn't need to ask me questions. I shouldn't give that impression. Um, anyway, the, uh, the, the, the question was as follows. There is a tailor, apparently, I, I would guess in Queens, who is a religious guy, and uh, people, he has all sorts of clients, some who are religious, some who are not, that bring him their suits. And he also happens to have training for shotness testing. So he knows how to, t- he doesn't officially, I don't think he does the testing for shotness, but he knows, and he sees, and he knows exactly when there's shotness in the suit. So sometimes he has non-religious customers that will come to the store, they'll bring a suit for, uh, for alterations, and he'll, uh, he'll see that there's shotness in the suit. So he rips, he rips open the suit and pulls out the shotness and replaces it with something else and just never tells them. And he saves them from the isra of shotness. But then he started to think, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Or maybe, is that, is that a mitzvah? Is that an avera? Is that somewhere in between? Or is it mochiv to do that? So, uh, so that was, uh, I thought that was an interesting question. That's question number one. Question number two, I got an email this morning. It's a little bit more of a humorous question, but I don't know. I thought it was a... Uh, You'll see, um, as Purim is coming up in a while, but still, you know, it's, it's other. So, uh, so someone was already thinking about the Purim costumes for their family for this year. So it's a Kanaina Hara family with six children. So they decided that they want to dress their kids up as thing one, thing two, thing three, thing four. I think there's only really thing one, thing two in the original <laughs> Duxus. But they want to dress them up as things one through six. Um, as their, I was once... <laughs> I was once at a Levaya on Purim. I don't normally laugh when I tell stories about a Levaya, but I was once at a Levaya on Purim. So, you know, on Purim is a busy day, so people were running from all different places, and there was actually at the Levaya, there was thing one, thing two. <laughs> there were people still in costume. It was a little funny. So, uh, they, I don't think they had the blue hair, but they, they, they had the, at least the T-shirts. So, he wants, so uh, this woman wanted to know, is there any problem with dressing her children up as things one through six? Um, what would be the problems? I, I, she, she thought the problem might be Ayin Hara um, or counting people that you're not supposed to count. And here you are literally <laughs> labeling one, two, three, four, five, six on the people themselves. So that was uh, question number two. And question number three, we'll just uh, throw in one from last week that no one chose. So uh, <laughs> you have the, the option again. Um, the, uh, the, the principal that called me from uh, an old boys high school and they were running a, a drama production, a play that they were making, that they were putting on. And one scene involved one woman and they wanted to know, can they have a boy dress up as a woman to do that scene in their drama production? So those are the three questions. The tailor with the shotness, the thing ones, things one through six, and the, uh, the boy dressing up as a girl for the drama production in the all-boys high school play. Any requests? Preferences? Two or three. One. Two or three. One. Okay, let's show of hands, maybe. All those who prefer, and I, I apologize to anyone, I got an email today, someone said that when they listen to the recording of this year, when people ask questions, they have to repeat the questions, they don't hear anything. So I will report what people are, <laughs> what, what they're raising their hands. Okay, all, all who would prefer, uh, prefer the first question, raise your hand. Okay, I'm not counting you. All who would prefer the <laughs> second question. And the third? 
Okay, so I guess we'll start with the first, and then we'll go to the third. Okay, so uh, the first question was about the Taylor and the Shatna. So I found this to be a fascinating question. What are the issues over here? There, I think there are three issues that need to be addressed. It's not so easy to spot what these issues are. I think there are three issues. Well, if you, simply fixing a suitability of naive. Hmm. Simply fixing, fixing it. Or the ah, so de- de- there's definitely an issue of um, lifting naive and giving back the in giving back the suit with shotness that you're, you're, you're providing him with the ability to wear shotness or on the flip side a lack of a mitzvah of uh, or, or lafushe meisura to stop someone from doing an isra which we do have an achrayas to other people to try to help them to, uh, to avoid isurim as much as possible so on some level you have that what else do we have? so on, on any shayla you always first have to figure out what the level of the isra is meaning are we dealing with Darais and Draban and Minag? So it's a Metzius question. We need to figure out when they find shotness in a suit. So what, what is it? Is it shotness Darais? Is it shotness Draban? Is it uh, something that may, may... Suffolk shotness? What exactly is it when they find shotness in a suit? Typically speaking, it's with more expensive suits that they, uh, that they find shotness. I remember when I was younger, it may, maybe it still happens, they used to have, in Barney's, they would have a sale once a year where they would sell suits for, uh, instead of uh, $3,000, they'd sell them for only $500 or something like that. And uh, my mother used to go, and she would buy every year, once a year she'd buy a suit for, for me, for my brother, and for my father. Um, for my father, for my brother, and for me. She would buy, she would buy a suit. <laughs> and uh, every year, every year without fail, we'd get a shotness tested, and it always had shotness. So I, and no other suit we ever bought had shotness except for the Barney suits because no other suit we ever bought cost that much money. But the, uh, the expensive suits tend to have shotness. So what kind of level of shotness are we dealing with? And then we have to figure out, are you allowed to do property damage to stop someone from a nisir? Meaning you're going to tear apart a suit and pull out something that apparently has value because they only put it in the expensive suits. So you're allowed to damage someone's property to stop them from doing this, which relates somewhat to what we discussed a couple of weeks ago with the cigarettes, with the lost cigarettes, and whether there's Hashavah Savedah and lost cigarettes. And then the third issue is, let's say you are allowed to do property damage to stop someone from the Yisr. Maybe you have to pay for it. It could be that you have an obligation to do the property damage, and, and, and then you have to pay for the damage that, that was done. Now, how could that be that you have a, an obligation to do the property damage and then you're going to have to pay for it? Could there really be such a thing? Yeah, well, you know, mitzvahs cost money sometimes. Sometimes it's expensive to be a religious Jew. Well, and you have to pay for it. And you're giving him the service for free of taking out the shadows, which is normally something that, that someone would pay, would for. pay for. That's only if you, But people don't pay for that because they think it makes their suit better. They pay for that because it's a religious obligation. So, I, I would never pay for someone to rip open my collar, pull out a, a superior lining, and replace it with an inferior lining. Yeah, no, but, but so you're saying you'd have to pay the difference of the lining? Uh, so I we'll have to see what exactly, right, what exactly would you be, pay, would you be paying for? So first on the simplest level, um, is, is the shotness that we typically find in suits, shotness daraisa or shotness drabanan? I believe, typically speaking, it's shotness drabanan. It is not shotness daraisa. Shotness, in order for it to be shotness daraisa, each thread has to be spun together with linen and wool, and that, that, that never happens. There's, uh, there's some stitching, there's uh, a lining, there where it's somehow mixed, but I don't think you have shoatav of your nose where it's uh, completely spun and twisted together with linen and wool. So my, my impression is that almost all the time when they find shotness, it's shotness darabana, it's not shotness daraisa. Ramzav Lulig actually, re- actually recommended that when we, in Kaley this summer, Camp Kaley, I was uh, we run a mass program, so I learned a topic that you can learn in four weeks. 
So he said, you should do shatnas. When's anyone ever going to learn shatnas? It's five simanam mishulchan aruch. He could give blood and shas. It's a good idea. No? I don't know. We're, we're, I already have everyone signed up, so they, are they going to quit on me? So I might as well, right? Okay, so anyway, so the, the, the uh, probably almost always it's shatnas drabbanan, it's not shatnas daraisa. This is very critical. This is a very important factor because there is a halacha that the Gemara says in Masechus Brachos that if you are walking somewhere and uh, you, know, you're, you look inside your suit and you see where it's supposed to say check for shatnas, shatnas free, the person actually stuck a label that says shotness in it, you know, that uh, you see that you have shotness in your suit, and like it's, it definitely has shotness. So what do you do when you're walking in public and you find shotness in your suit? So the Gemara says, well, you're going to get undressed in public right then, right then and there. Kavra Brios, person's going to be undressed in public, it's a terrible pagan in his Kavra Brios. But on the other hand, uh, it's the cover of the Rebonah that you're going to continually, continuously violate the Yisr by keeping on wearing the Beged. So the Gemara says, that Kavad Abrios is able to trump even a Losa I shouldn't say trump because now he's in. But Kavad Abrios is, is, is able to be Docha to, to push away even a Losa Seishabatora. And the says, what does it mean a Losa Seishabatora? It means Losasur. Just kidding, not really Losa Seishabatora. It means an Isidrabana. So it's a, it's a huge nafkamina. If you're walking in the Shuk and you find shotness, that your suit your has shotness in it, and we were actually concerned that it might be shotness to Raisa, you'd have to get undressed in public. But if it's only shotness to Rabbanan, so you don't have to get undressed in public. Wait till you get home, cover the brios, you wait till you get home, and then when you get home, you change out, you change out of the suit. So it's a very big nafkamina, whether it's Rabbanan or Daraisa. I've mentioned the story once or twice. There was a, uh, there's a Rebbe in DRS told me his wife was in a shul once, on Simchas Torah, and the Rebbetzin of the Shul came over to her and said, that's a very beautiful skirt you have, where did you get it from? She said the name of the store she got it from, and the Rebbetzin said, yeah, you should know, it has shotness. And uh, she said, what do you mean? She said, I bought the same skirt from the same place, I bought it to get shotness tested, and it has shotness, so you should know, it has shotness. So here this woman is, in Shul, she was just told she has shotness. And the state in the Gemara, explicitly, you find shotness, b'vigdo'a, Poshto, I feel a bashuk. You take it off, even in the the shuk. So what's she going to do? What is she do? So the answer is, before you know, even without any issues of tzinius and everything else, and any, the answer the answer is, no, nah, it's shatnis drabanan. Most likely, it's shatnis drabanan. So she probably does not have to remove it. She can go home. She should go home right away. But she can go home and she can remove it at home and then uh, then get the shatnis taken out and return it to the uh, to the store. So that's uh, so so that that's one critical factor. That's probably shatnis drabanan. Now, is one allowed to do property damage in order to save someone from an iser in general? There is a uh, there was a rav in Eretz Yisrael who lived in Yerushalayim. Um, Right neighborhood, right next to Ramat Eshkol. Uh, is that Sanhedria? Yeah, he lived in Sanhedria. I met him once or twice. Rav Bloy. Rav Bloy was a uh, was was a in the Badat space. Rav Yaakov Yishaya Bloy. I believe he comes from a, uh, a family of uh, notorious character people. He was a very 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 And uh, he uh, wrote a sefer called Pischei Choshen about 10, 12 volumes on Choshen Mishpat. They say the story is, I, I don't know if it's true or not, they say that he was a banker and he would put out, write things on Choshen Mishpat every once in a while and the Badatz Basin saw his stuff and they were like blown away so they recruited him away from banking and uh, to the, to the Badatz Basin. I don't know, whatever it is, but he, was, he certainly knew Choshen Mishpat very well. But he also has a sefer called Malbusha Yesha um, on, on Shatnas. 
The Sefer Malbusha Yesha looks exactly like this Sefer, except over here it says Malbusha Yesha. He was not very creative in designing his farim. Black farim, uh, you know, just so they, they all look the same. So I looked right away at Malbusha Yesha to see if it discusses this case. It does not. But in Pisgah Choshen, he discusses this in Hilchas Nezikin, because in, this is a Nezikin issue. Are you allowed to damage somebody to stop them from, uh, from doing an Isser? So the source that he quotes, ironically, even though this is Pisgah Choshen, is the Gemara about Shatnis. The Gemara says, if you see Shatnis Pashuk, you should be uh, you should be poshtah. Feel Pashuk, you should be korah. This Pasuk Shulchan Aruch, Haroa Klayim Shel Torah. If you see Shatnis Da'oraisa, uh, I saw out in the shuk on, on somebody else. Kofetz lo v'koromel of miyad that you you jump him and you tear it right off of him. So the later post can point out you should probably first mention something to him, and if he refuses to take it off, then you go to you, you don't like your first uh, order. Your, your first line of defense is not to jump him and tear it off of him. You say something to him, and if he doesn't respond, then kofto you jump on him koromel of miyad va'filu hayarabo. And even if it's your Rebbe, you shouldn't, shouldn't be embarrassed. Do what has to be done. But if it's You don't take Rabbi wait till he gets home, like we just mentioned before. So you see very clearly here you're doing damage. You're tearing his uh, his clothing. So that's clearly that you're doing uh, you're doing damage uh, to him. Now the truth is though that Gemara there is uh, two two girsaos in that Gemara. Those two girsaos were made famous by the Nod of Yehuda. Um, the Nodav Yehuda has a lot of wild chuvas. He got some real interesting shilas from uh, very interesting people. As, uh, every time you hear about a scandal nowadays and you think, I bet this never happened in uh, the times of the Nodav Yehuda, it did. And they asked the Nodav Yehuda about it. So one of the uh, more famous scandalous cases the Nodav Yehuda was asked about, it's, uh, it's a pretty famous chuva in Madura Kamasim and Lamed Hay. It's this shuvah is quoted in two different contexts. It's quoted in the context of people who discuss Kavad Abrios, and it's quoted in the context of people who discuss how to do tshuva for certain Averos. Now, the Buddha was asked about a yeshiva bachur who was living, he was boarding in someone's house for three years, and uh, Mazel Tov, he was engaged to their daughter now, and he wasn't sure if now's the right time to confess that he was having an affair with the mother uh, for the last three years. So, uh, so he, what was his cheshben? On the one hand, every time his future father-in-law is with his wife, he's violating an iser because uh, she's asura l'ba'al and asura l'ba'al. She cheated on her husband, and he knows because he was this guy. This yeshiva boy knows because he was the Boel, so he knows that she cheated on her husband. So to tell the father-in-law to save him from the iser daraisa. On the other hand, it's covered up rios. It's going to be very embarrassing to the family when such a scandal hits the uh, hits the news. It's going to be all over Facebook. Everyone's going to be talking about it. It's going to be it's going to be terrible. It's going to be very embarrassing for the family. So we have the covered up rios versus. So what does another view to say? Ah, brachos yates. You have to figure out. It's Tully and two girsos in the Gemara. Wow. Tully and two girsos in the Gemara. What? So just parenthetically, the other half of the tshuva, the guy said, how do I do tshuva for this? And he said, go easy on me. I'm a yeshiva bachar. I learn a lot of Torah, so I'm already weak from all my learning. I don't know if that's what he was weak from, but he said, uh, so, so go, go easy on me in terms of the tshuva, especially if you give me tshuva samishkal. You know what tshuva samishkal is? Tshuva samishkal is like they, 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 would, uh, they would try to... Um, punish yourself to the point where you get you punish yourself enough to achieve a kapara fasting and rolling around in the mud with pigs and like I don't know all sorts of like horrendous things so and, and you know the beauty is a fascinating the whole second half of the truth is about how to do tshuva and it's a fascinating 
um, read. He says, I'm not going to recommend Shuvah Samishkal, he says. It's a beautiful line. He says, because I feel even if you'd live Kishnos Misushalach, you could live as long as Misushalach, you wouldn't live long enough to do a Shuvah Samishkal for what you've done. But we, th- here's how you actually do Shuvah. And whatever. So he has a whole very nice explanation about Shuvah and what the proper Derech HaTshuvah is. But in the first half of the Shuvah, he says, this Shailus Tali and Tugir Sos in the Gemara in Brachos. How does it tell you to give yourselves? The Gemara Brachel says, If you see Klein Bashuk, you see Klein Poshtam, you take it right off, Afilu Bashuk. Now there are two Gersos. One Gers is, You see shotness on somebody else, you take it off. The other Gers in the Gemara is, You see shotness, not on somebody else, Bibigdo, in your own Beged, not Al Chavero, Bibigdo, your own Beged. You take it off. What's the difference between those two girsos? One is the Shitas Harash, one is the Rambam. I forget which one is which already. I think it's the Rush that says Bibigdo and the Rambam that says Al Chavero, if I'm not mistaken. But what, what's the what's the, the issue? So that Gemara, as we mentioned before, is talking about the the conflict between Kavar Brios on the one hand versus I can't violate Hashem's word. So which wins? Kavar Brios? So the Gemara says, well, certainly if it's Nisad to Rabbanon, Kavad Abrios wins. But what if it's Nisad to So the Gemara says that if it's B'Shev Vialtase, then Kavad Abrios wins. But if the Isser is B'Kum Vaseh, then the, we're more concerned about the Avera than we are about the Kavad Abrios. What does it mean, Shev Vialtase versus Kum Vaseh? Does it mean that the Avera is being violated B'Kum Vaseh? That the Avera is an active violation? Or does it mean that to stop the Avera, it will take a Kumbase action? To prevent the Avera from happening, you would have to get up and do something. Kavar Abrios is going to win as long as, as long as we can fairly label the case as Shevi Altase. So it's totally in these two Gersos. Let me explain. If you say that Kavar Abrios wins as long as the Avera is only being violated well, the guy that I see wearing shotness is not violating the Avera every moment he's wearing shotness is considered a Kum is every movement, is everything that every Hana that he's getting, every movement he gets more Hana from the Begit, it's considered Kum so the Avera is actually being done but if you if, if you define Shevi Altasivers Kumvase as to how I would prevent it, so then if I'm uh, if I'm if I'm looking at him, so I would say I'll be Shevi Altasa. I won't say anything. I'll let him do his thing. I'll be Shevi Altasa. So how do we define Shevi Altasa versus Kumvase? Is it based on the Isser itself, or is it based on what you would need to do in order to stop the Isser? So if you say that you have to rip it off even Chavero, that means that even though Shevi Altasa would, would preserve Kavar Abrios, you sitting alone and doing nothing, you're being Shevi Altasa would preserve Kavar Abrios. Yeah, yeah, but he's doing the Avera B'Kum And therefore you have to rip it off of him. But if you say the Gemara is not talking about ripping it off of someone else, it's, it's ripping it off of, uh, taking it off of yourself. It's taking it off of yourself. Well, you are... Everything you're doing is kumvase because it's all on you. There is no shevi altasa option. 
So that's 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 the Nadvita says totally in those two days. So he says, ah, what does that have to do with this case of the guy with the sleeping with the mother-in-law, whatever? So he says it's very simple. Here's this uh, future son-in-law who uh, knows that his father-in-law is going to violate an Isser every time he's with his wife. The Isser is going to be violated, but because it's an act of Isser. He's going to be he's going to be violating this every time he's with his wife. But I can preserve the covenant of Brios by doing nothing. So what should I look at? Should I look at how he's violating the Isser? Well, that's become Vasei. Or should I look at how I can preserve covenant of Brios? And I can preserve covenant of Brios See if you say I look at myself and how I can preserve covenant of Brios. Okay, so it's Let it alone. Leave him be. But if you say you look at the Chumras Yisr and the Chumras Yisr is more severe because he's doing it, well then I can't leave him be. I've got to put a stop to it. So that's what Yudah says tell you in these two days. So what do we pass in? So Shulchan says, Simon Shin Gimel in Yeridea, Haroe Klayim Shaltara Al Chavero. You see someone else wearing shatnis, and you could just as easily just sit and do nothing, and that would be you acting b'shevi altaseh. You may not do nothing. That's not called shevi altaseh because the guy wearing it is doing it b'kumvaseh. So posto koro, you tear it off of him. Afilu b'shuk. So if that's true that you tear it off, afilu b'shuk. L'chora, when it's not b'shuk, it's not even a question. You have his beggar; he's not even wearing it. So there's no question you would have to tear it out. And not only that, is it L'chorah is Dover Pasha that you're allowed to tear a baguette, especially when the guy's not wearing it, to get rid of the shatness? Rav Bloy in, in Pisgah Choshen, Parak Beis, discusses that it, it might even be mutter to do physical damage to somebody, to physically harm a person, to stop him from an iser. Now, I would strongly recommend you not take any of what we're about to say is this is not something that we typically do and you see why I mean you should, should be self-understood why but there is a Ramah in Simen Tav Chaf Aleph if you'd give him that if you see someone doing an Avera is in Choshem Mishpat and that someone is someone who's Tachas Yada Urushuso he's someone who you have control over Rashayla Koso Uliyasro you could hit him to be mafresh from, from an iser. However, if the iser is already violated, it's already over, so then you're not allowed to hit him anymore. It's to stop him, to prevent him from doing an iser. So there is three deos in Poskin as to what the limitations are. Now the example given by the Ramah is he's someone that you control. He's like your Eved. He's someone that you have you know, some jurisdiction over. So some of the Akronim suggest, yeah, it's dafka, you're Eved. If it's your Eved, then you're like, that's what the Truma Sedeshin writes, that, uh, that uh, he says it, again, certainly don't take this halach l'maysa, about ishto shemekalelas av v'imo, that if his wife is being mekalel av v'imo, Chuvas Maria said, that's the Truma Sedeshin, the Chuvas Maria said, in Chilik Beisim Nukov Samach Dalit, says even if it's an Isid Rabbanon, you're allowed to hit someone to stop them from an Isid Rabbanon. On the other hand, but but that's that's those those are the deos that hold only someone who's under your control. On the other hand, Yam Shal Shlomo writes that it's Lav Dafka, Harav Liavdo, Baal Ishto, Ladin Kolbar Yisrael, any Jew, any Jew who's doing an Isr, it's your responsibility, you should do whatever you can. 
<coughs> to try to stop him. However, he points out, Vidafka it's only someone who's muhsak that he's such an idol kashra yid that you know for sure he's acting the shame shamayim. I don't know if we could be made such a thing about anybody in our day and age. Vu adam muflag, he has to be a very chashva person. But a regular person to take this upon himself to go beat someone up. Oh, I'm stopping you from an iser. No, not not okay. Because it would be ridiculous. Can you imagine? I, I heard him talk Lashonara yesterday. Why are you bludgeoning that person? Because I, he's, he's about to say Lashonara. Everyone's just going to beating everybody up. Right? There's, there's no tzaddik that didn't, that didn't do an Avera. The Torah, this is only, uh, is only for someone who's a Dayan or an Adam Chashev, which we don't have anymore. But anyway, that's the second day. The second day is Labdafka, someone under your control, any Jew, that you're allowed to hit. The, the third view is, is the Nitziv. The Nitziv, in his commentary to the Shiltos and Parshas Vayeshev, reads into the Rambam that even for your Eved, it's Aser. You're not even allowed to hit your Eved. Even that's going to be us. And then the Sif says, "I, what do you do with the what, what do you do with the fact that uh, that that the Rama Paskin is not that way?" Then the Sif says, "No, what the Rama means is that you're patur min l'shalim. You don't have to pay, but you're not allowed to do it. You, it's still us to do." So, Rav Bloy just points out that if there's a discussion, even a discussion, about whether you're allowed to hit somebody, physically harm a person to stop them from doing an iser then there's no discussion, there's no doubt that you should be allowed to harm their property to stop them from doing an iser. Provided that what you're harming is the cheft social iser itself. It doesn't mean, you know, you see a guy eating a cheeseburger so you go burn his house down. It means that you, you're, 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 you're stopping the cheft social iser itself. That's how you're being mafresh me'iser. But, but if that's the case, he said there should be no doubt that you're, that you're permitted to do that, that you're allowed to damage the property. And this chilek between damaging property versus damaging a person comes up in Hilchus Purim, actually. It's in Hilchus Purim, Ramah Paskins in two places in Hilchus Purim, that uh, in the context of Simchus Purim, people could uh, you know, beat each other up a little bit and could, uh, could, could break things that belong to other people, steal from each other a little bit. I don't know, Purim used to be celebrated, I guess, a little differently. Um, so that, uh, and that's all, it's all part of the Simchus Purim. It's based on the Tosos and Masech HaSukkah, Daf Mem Hei. The Tosos says, uh, the Mishnah over there says, Miyati Noko Shantan Levein Valchun Esrogeyen. So Rashi over there understands that it means that right after Hashanah Rabba was over, right after the kids finished taking their little Vanessog, adults would go over and yank the little Vanessog out of their hands and take a bite out of their Esrogim. And Rashi asked the question, but isn't that wrong to mug a child and take it? <laughs> so Rashi says, oh, no, it's all part of the Simcha of the day. It's like, uh, that's how they celebrate it. So Tulsa says, yeah, you know, like when you go to a wedding and two people come in horses and they start jousting and they end up hurting each other's horses, you know, it's all part of the simcha, and they tear each other's clothing. It's all part of the simcha, it's the way it works. So that's Kodun Shulchan Aruch. So it's Machlok, it's a poskim. Many of the poskim hold, yeah, yeah, that works for, uh, that works for, for damaging his property. 
but physical damage to damage his body, that's, that's more severe. And that, we don't assume that there's a mechila on physical damage. We assume there's a mechila on property damage when you're dealing with such a celebration. So you have such a chilek. Um, so it seems very clear that you're, the, the guy is allowed to tear it out. In fact, I, I sent the Shaila to Zilberstein. I thought he'd get excited about the Shaila. He didn't. He didn't even read the whole Shaila because I had like a few different questions. He only answered the first part. Yeah, he's got to tear it out. Chayim to tear it out. That was it. So, okay, thank you. So, uh, so um, anyway, so he's let, but what about paying for it once he tears it out? So what do you have to do if, um, if let's, say, let's say he's chayim to pay for it. And, and, and Rav Bloy raises that possibility that he might be chayim to pay for it. He said, he writes, why? Where does he get such an idea from that you're allowed to damage, but then you're going to have to pay for it? Where do we have such a thing? David Amelech, in order to save his own life, needs to burn down a field. So what does he do? says, what says, he sends a message and he asks the Sanhedrin, what do I do? Am I allowed to do this? And they say, well, most people know, but you're a king, so you can do whatever you want. So there's Machlokas Rishonim, how to understand that Gemara. So one day in Rishonim is Shittas Rashi, that they were telling him a normal person would have to sooner die rather than burn down someone else's field. But you're a king, so you could do whatever you want. However, most of the Rishonim understand that, no, everyone would be allowed to burn down someone's field to save their lives. The question is, would they have to pay for it afterwards? So I may be able to do it, I may be able to burn down a field to save my life, but then I'm going to have to pay for it. But you're a king, and a king could be, you know, could break down and burn down whatever he wants in order to make a derech because he wa- So that's fine. But what do you see from there? That's such a halacha that you're allowed to destroy someone else's property, but then you have to pay for it. So the halacha is yes, destroy, and then pay. So it shouldn't be so strange that the halacha over here also could be, yeah, destroy it, destroy the bag, and then pay. So let's say that's halacha. You know, Rabboi writes, that there's room to be mechalik between the two cases. What would the chalik be? What would the chalik be between a case of pikuach nefesh, where you're allowed to burn down the field for pikuach nefesh, and then you have to pay, versus tearing shotness off of someone else and then having to pay? Why would you be mechalik? Why would you say that by tearing shotness, by tearing shotness, no, if you're going to have to pay, then there's no way that you're allowed to tear it in the first place. And if you're allowed to tear it, then there's no way you have to pay. But by pikuach nefesh, you can burn down the field and then you'll have to pay. Why is it? Why, what would the difference be? He doesn't say. Just as Yesh Lechalik. I think Pashtos is the difference. The difference is that by Pikuach Nefesh, it's a suspension of halacha. Meaning, B'makal Pikuach Nefesh, all of halacha is suspended except for three, three surim. According to Rashi, maybe stealing also, but three surim. All of halacha is suspended. So we're working outside of the system when we allow them to damage. Because the system gets suspended. Okay, we were working outside of the system, and now his life is saved, get back in the system. Now you've got to pay for it. Whereas, in the case where you're tearing the shotness off, that is the halacha. We're not working outside of the halacha. We're not saying we suspend halacha because it's such a shasad chak. No, that's, that's the nature of the halacha. Okay, maybe you can be mechalik, maybe you can't. But let's say, let's say you would have to pay. So how would you pay for it? I go over to someone, I, uh, I, I'm not a tailor. I rip open their collar, I yank out their shotness. So what do I do now? What? Here's 20 bucks, so, so what? What's 20 bucks going to do? He's not going to have a suit? How's he going to get his suit back? So what do you do? You pay him enough to fix it. Right? And where does he... And where do, I didn't say your question. 
I pay him enough to fix it. So how do you pay enough to fix it? You pay whatever, whatever, whatever the tailor would charge. If you happen to be the tailor, so good. You've paid him. You fixed it. Oh no, but you got to go to a tailor that he trusts. You are a tailor that he trusts. He brought you his suit. He's he's gonna have you rip it up in a million other places to you know to take it in, to take it out, probably out to you know do all all sorts of different things with it. So I was once buying the suit. The guy said, uh, maybe a little small. I said, it's okay, I'm losing weight. He's like, yeah, right, you and everyone else. So, <laughs> so he, he may, he, but you're the one that's trusted to fix it. So that's fine. So someone said to me, yeah, but does he have to return the lining? Because that lining is more expensive. So if he returns the lining, then his cover is blown. <laughs> you know, then he's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to confess. And then the guy may not bring any suits to him in the future. So I don't know that he has to return the lining. Why would you have to return the chef to show this? You gave him back a good suit. Uh, he could tell that the college is Probably the best thing for him to do is to have a talk with the person and say, look, I'm a tailor. I've been doing this for many years. I know what good clothing is. And I know, I, I know I'm doing There's this uh, you know, religious thing. And it, it really doesn't make a single bit of difference. You won't be able to tell the difference in your suit. Let me just do it. I want people pay to have this done. I, I'm not even going to charge you. By the way, so, you know, get the tailor's name. Just go into a store without a yarmulke, and you get free shutters from him. <laughs> so, but, but, uh, so I, I, I would think that you wouldn't have to. Uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. That's a Yiddish cup, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would think that you would not have to. Uh, that you would not. You would not have to return the uh, the lining or anything. Of, of the, and and that you probably would not have to tell him what what you're doing. Although maybe uh, one day he's going to do chup and he's going to try to get all of his shutters tested. He's not going to. He's not going to realize. Maybe hide a plumber somewhere. In the suit that says that it was shot and tested. Yeah. Do you think that uh, the tailor should reduce the rating? Anyway, you're, you're fixing whatever he gave it to you for, so you wouldn't charge him. Ah. Should you take it out of there, or do you not need to? Because if you wouldn't have to pay anyway by itself, then. Very interesting. So the question was should, you, uh, should he reduce the rate of what he charges? based on the difference between the expensive lining that he put in the collar and the inexpensive lining that he put in the collar. Are people actually able to tell the difference what the lining is? And they, I guess they must put it in for a reason. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess uh, Rav David Willig was telling me, no, I think it has a certain feel to it, a certain... I don't know if he knows that or he's guessing that. <laughs> right, how would anyone know? Well, I guess when you try it on versus when... You, trying it on is, is a... Well, I don't remember. I, I wouldn't have known the difference anyway. I can't tell the difference. Ah, you let it try it on. So that I've... Uh, yeah, short answer is yes. The better question is why. <laughs> why you let it try it on. I'll tell you, Nogaya this week's parasha, Big Day Kuhuna. Oh, Taka, Shatnas, Nogaya this week's parasha, fantastic. Big Day Kuhuna, Shatnas. So I once said over a vart, not I said over, I saw a vart from Rabbi Tzal Rudinsky, from Muncie. You know, Rabbi Rudinsky, Mishkan Bitsala. A gorgeous vart. He said that uh, you know you would think there's uh, there's there's kosher clothing and then there's like super kosher clothing, right? The big day kuna should be like 
super kosher. It's like so, Rabbi Fran tells the story of a Balabas once who had a meeting, a lawyer. He had a meeting in a, in a law firm somewhere, um, and they and, and, and they, they they wanted to order the the most kosher meal possible for him because they knew he was kosher. So they ordered the Passover seder meal. <laughs> they, they ordered a seder plate. And he was stuck with a shank bone and a. So you, you would think that the, the big day kuhuna would be super kosher. And yet, the big day kuna shatnas. Why would the big day kuna have shatnas? So Rudinsky pointed out, there's a mission in Klein, that mochre ksus, people are going around, going around selling clothing. So they would just wear all the clothing that they were selling. Everyone looked like Rav Scheinberg, right? They would, they would just wear all the clothing that they were selling. And that's okay. They can have, they can have shatnas on, on their bodies. Why? Because they're not getting any hana'ah from the shatnas. Meaning it's just, it's just the easiest way to carry it around. But they're getting no hanaas levisha from the clothing itself. So when there's no hanaa, there's no israshatnas. So Rabbi Radzinski wanted to say, hani kahani, shluchi dirachmana, shluchi didan, whatever they are, there's no ani in their service. There's no, there's no personal benefit in the service that they're doing. They're doing, they're doing the shlichus, it's purely l'shem shemayim. Everything is l'shem Hashem. Everything is l'shem avodah. And that's the, they can wear shotness because there's no there's no personal uh, personal benefit in it. I got a phone call yesterday from Rabbi Benjamin Newton, one of the Lamedvach Tzadikim. I would I would guess I can't imagine that there are 35 greater than him. But he uh, so he called me up and he said uh, he he said I don't know how to use a computer, but I know how to use an iPod because Rebbeinu created it since we have to drive in our car sometimes. And we have to listen to Torah when we drive in our car. And it's the most efficient way to listen to Torah. So he said, I was listening to one of your shirim. I'm like, wow, really? you didn't listen to... So, like, you peeled me off the floor. And then he said, and I, 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 you said this, this to our Torah. I didn't make out the name of who you said it from. So I uh, didn't remember. I had to look it up. I called him back. I said, from Rabbi Rudinsky. So he said, um, just want to tell you, you know, there is a machlokas, whether the big day kun having shotness was hutra or Dechuya. And this vart, as you well know, probably only fits if it's Chutra, not if it's Dechuya. So, shh, we shouldn't say this vart on the radio. Instead, we'll just say it in Shul. <laughs> okay, interesting about the, the MS, that he wouldn't, uh, you know, like that, that every vart has to be glot. It's got to be glot. I don't know, it's a good vart, so you take it. Huh? So, but, but why was I thinking that? What were you saying? I don't know why I was thinking that. That if he gets no hana, no slavisha from it. What? Oh, trying on a suit, right. So when you're trying on a suit, it could be that that's, that's one of the attainments, that it's not hana slavisha at all. There's a minchas yitzchak, as a tshuva, where he tries to figure out all the different uh, attainments. That's not called the levisha at all. That you're, just doing, you're, you're doing it not to wear it, but to measure it, to see if it, if it fits around your body. And that's not, not, uh, not at all the same thing. So that's, yeah. Yeah, that's the clothing. So, uh, so if you're wearing regular, the question was that a regular shotness of the suit, so you're getting hanar from the threads mixed together. Yeah, if the clothing is made out of threads mixed together, so that's what you're getting hanar from. There's a shayla about uh, carpet. I remember my, my, my mother is an interior designer, and she ordered a carpet from somebody, and the guy in the carpet store said, you may not want to order this carpet because it's shotness. And she, she said, I never heard of such a thing, that it was an expensive carpet. She said, I never heard of such a thing, that there would be a shotness problem with carpet. So I remember I was driving Rav Shechter that night somewhere, 
I, I only drove him like five, six times to different places, but somehow, like I always, so I was, it was always like right after something had just come up. So I was driving him that night somewhere, and I, I asked him about carpet with shotness, and he said he's not sure, but Rav Bloy has a safer, Malbusha Yesha, and he has it at home. He'll look it up when he gets home. So, uh, but as so I dropped him off at his house, by the time I got to my house, there was a message on my, on my machine. Hi, it's Herschel Schechter calling. I have a safe from Albusha Yesh. I want to know where I can fax the, the page, what number to fax the page to. So I called him up, told him what to fax the page, and he, had a, he has a whole, uh, so that's a whole discussion also. So they say if the carpet is very flat, so then there's no Hanas Levisha at all, even if you sit on it with your bare skin. But if it's a plush and you, know, feel, you feel the warmth in between your toes, maybe, so maybe that would be, uh, that would be an issue. And there's a question whether you even have to check for these things. I think the halacha generally, we generally assume is that when you have something that's a miyot sheino matzui, that it's a less than a 10% incidence of a problem, that you don't have to check for problems. When it's a higher than 10% incidence, you do have to check. This comes up in Ilchus Trefus, when, uh, when, when they shech the cow. So they check for 50 different trefus that the cow could have. No, they check for one. You know, they check the lungs and that's it. They're not checking anything else. I, but there must be travis out there. There must be other problems that have, that have all sorts of uh, other cows that have all sorts of problems that we're eating. Yeah, but it's such a low incidence of an issue that you don't have to check for it. A miyut you don't have to check for it. So the famous uh, shita, the Mishkanas Yaakov, the miyut is defined as less than ten percent. So if you have a suit that you call the shatnas person and they say, I've checked a thousand of them, they never ever had shatnas. So or or it's it's it almost never. That such a suit's going to have shot. So you don't have to check it. There's no, there's no requirement to check it. But if it's a reasonable possibility that it's going to have shotness, reasonable possibility means 10% or more possibility. It's hard to know the numbers on your own. You have to know people who, who, who are in the game. You know, Sometimes someone will say, uh, I bought a suit at the uh, Sims Bash or whatever. I don't know if Sims still exists. It's gone. But it used to be that if you wanted to meet all the, you know, Every Jew you ever knew in your whole life. <laughs> so you go to the Sims Bash, every Yeshiva Bachur. So, so I'd always get that shot. What is it, the Sims Bash? So what, what, what do you think the chances are? That, and, and I forgot to get it checked, and Shabbos almost said, ah, well, what do I do? So uh, how much did the suit cost? That's the first question. Well, it was originally... <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what it was originally. You know, if you got it for $49 when you walked out of Sims, there's no chance that such a suit... Has, I, I don't know, there's no chance. But it's a very... sell that for 100 bucks. What? If it's $49 now, it's usually under 50 but Whatever it is. Yeah, still, it's still yeah. not... Exactly. Still not. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, okay, so that's a little bit about the Alexa Shadness. We'll get to this week's parsha. Maybe next week we'll... Uh, I don't know, maybe we'll do the other shadows. Maybe we'll get better things. Okay. Have a great job. Everybody.